Welcome to Fronteras, a program that explores issues at the border and beyond through the lens of arts, culture, and history. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. The Rio Grande Valley consists of the four southernmost counties in Texas that share a border with Mexico. It's been a hub of civil rights movements and demonstrations, but that history often gets lost and forgotten over time. Some of that history is violent. The Texas Rangers were investigated in a series of legislative hearings in 1919 by state lawmaker J.T. Canales. The Rangers were engaged in state-sanctioned anti-Mexican violence and lynchings in the valley and across the Texas borderlands. Several decades later, the Rangers brutally beat striking farm workers in Star County who demanded a $1.25 minimum wage. The farm workers shut down every melon-packing shed during harvest season in what's known as the Star County Melon Strikes. It's believed the strikes kick-started the Chicano movement in Texas. In 1971, a group of residents in the border city of Far, fed up with police brutality against ethnic Mexican communities, demonstrated in front of the city hall in Far, An innocent bystander was killed in the Far riots. A group of scholars and activists from the Rio Grande Valley want to share their community's history with its residents. They've created a traveling exhibit called Civil Rights in the Rio Grande Valley. Today, we're joined by members of Nosotrex por el Valle, and that's Nosotros spelled with an X replacing the last vowel to make it gender neutral. Juan Carmona is a historian and co-founder of Nosotrex por el Valle. We're also joined by three of his former students and historians in their own right. Taylor Seaver, a graduate student in Mexican-American studies at the University of Texas, Rio Grande Valley. Nicole Moreno, a first-year history major at the University of Texas at Austin. And Larisa Gonzalez, a graphic designer and graduate student in communication at UTRGV. Juan Carmona says the exhibit was spurred by a lack of representation at area museums. We just came back and really didn't see ourselves like our lives and the lives of our parents and grandparents. And, you know, the history we we just learned through conversations with our elders and it's just nowhere to be seen. And I felt like that was something that was really missing. All of us have worked in different projects together to preserve local history from the podcast to we just finished um, a documentary film on the Canales Commission and um, Nicole and, and her partner in the, in the National History Day competition, they created a video about the Underground Railroad going south through our town. So we've all worked in this history. So this is how we all had the connection. So when I started pitching the idea, they were all on board. Okay, so Nicole, since your name was mentioned, I'll go to you next. And I'll probably ask this also of you, Larissa and Taylor. I mean, there obviously is a history that is not well taught, that Juan is doing his job to make other people aware. And I'm curious as to maybe the revelation for you when that moment came where you realized this is not what I was taught in school. This, what I'm learning here in Juan's class and, and what I'm further learning you know, in my university studies, that this is the real true history of Texas. Yeah, I was actually having a conversation with Carbona and I was like, sir, like I never knew this history. And then when he brought up the idea about doing the exhibit and stuff, I was on board because this history um, needs to be preserved. These stories need to be kept alive and told. 
Do you remember, Nicole, what the first story might have been or the first little bit of history that you learned that was sort of counter to everything that you were taught? So do you remember teaching us about the town, Three Rivers? That was like when I learned that our history was not being told correct about the soldier and the post office. What was his name? So you have to tell us a story because I've never heard this either. I I taught him about Felix Longoria in World War II. He died in the Philippines, and he was from Three Rivers. And when his body was brought back to town, the funeral home wouldn't wake him. Um, They wouldn't keep him there because, quote, like the whites wouldn't like it. And it became this huge divisive moment in the city and in the nation, people talking about, like, how they wouldn't bury their hometown hero. And I showed him a little film about it, and we discussed just, you know, how prevalent this racism was even back then and he never does get buried in three rivers even for the good and the bad he gets buried in um arlington national cemetery senator lyndon johnson arranges it for him which is a great honor but if you know you don't have the means that his family couldn't visit his grave every time they wanted to it would be like a flight all the way to washington dc so just you know to show that history of that town and also the history of how you know mixed americans were treated even after serving their country And Taylor, what's your story? What was the moment that you realized that this isn't the the history that I was taught? This is something that has opened a brand new door for me. I always tell people that this has always been kind of a component of my life, like all my life. So I'm biracial. I'm Mexican, American and white. So I grew up in the Rio Grande Valley. My entire life was in the Rio Grande Valley and still is. So My entire life, I kind of always felt, I guess, not adequately, I guess, Mexican enough. But then I also was able to move to a place that was majorly white. And I also felt not white enough. So coming back to the Rio Grande Valley and being able to take Juan's class, it was kind of like a huge epiphany, I would say, because I was like, wow, I'm finally reading literature that describes specifically what I've been feeling my entire life. And I think that literature was Gloria Anzaldúa's Borderlands, where she describes herself being a Chicana from the Rio Grande Valley and having to navigate these liminal spaces of neither that or not enough of this or not enough of that. So, yeah, I, I would say my entire life has always, I feel like, has been leading up to this. So it's pretty cool that it's like, a culmination of my life events to now. And it's interesting, though, because, you know, it's not just exclusive to the borderlands. There are people who have that same sense of going to Ansalduan terms, that same sense of Nepantla. They're neither here nor there. And I know that there are people who are Latino, Latina, who have that guilt that they don't feel you know, Mexican enough because they don't know the language. So, I mean, it seems like we're always battling against some sort of guilt. And luckily, there's some history there to sort of offer a bit of a crutch for us. Um, So, Larissa, I'm curious as to what your story is. When was it that you realized that Texas history is not a complete history that we're all being taught? I think for me, it wasn't necessarily something related to the Valley that he taught. I remember like the first I think week of Mexican-American studies, he assigned like a little reading from A People's History of the United States by Howard Zinn. And I remember reading it and being just like so like blown away. Like I had known that there were things that were kind of pushed to the sidelines in our history in the United States. So reading that and having somebody be so like 
honest about it, about the violence that occurred in the, the United States, I was like, okay, this is something like completely different. This isn't your normal like history class. And it was just an exciting like epiphany kind of to have where you're like, okay, there's more to it than just the people we see all the time. You know, there's us too. And there's groups like us who have been marginalized in that kind of way. And one, it's got to be really exciting for you to see that this history is being picked up by young historians, young researchers, something that you yourself, your brother, other members of of the group refusing to forget, a group of historians who have been highlighting the matanzas, the murders, the lynchings of ethnic Mexicans in Texas. I mean, it just seems like a lot of your efforts are all finally coming, it seems, to fruition. However, there are these opposing forces particularly by government officials, by state lawmakers who don't really want to get this type of history heard. So can you comment a little bit about that? To begin with, I just want to say how proud I am of Larissa, Taylor, and Nicole to be doing the work that they're doing right now. As young as they are, I tell them, man, you guys are much more mature than I was at that age and just more sophisticated in understanding the world. And to be teaching this type of subject matter with my students and see it resonate with them, it just touches me. Like I tell the story all the time, but it's just really important to why I keep wanting to teach, you know, this history is I do oral histories with my students all the time. And we did a presentation on their oral histories with, I think it was my first mosque group. And someone asked them, what did you get out of the class? And their immediate response was, my grandmother talks to me more because like she finally felt her life validated. And it's funny, it, I have seen that with high school students who take Mexican-American studies classes. They are, as part of their assignments, they talk to their family members. And because of that assignment, they grow closer, they learn more about their own personal histories, and they realize that, you know, there are these stories there that have just never been told. And a lot of times it's because those family members were just never asked. Yeah. And now, you know, doing this type of work, like I love that I'm teaching it. I love that I have students now heavily involved in this. We've been doing projects, even with Refusing to Forget. I'm a member of Refusing to Forget, but even when they first started, my students were doing projects with them where they were reading the testimonies of the Canales Commission, which is the documentary we just shot this summer. We filmed my students actually reading the testimonies and to tell the story and the history. And that's great. And I can have an impact on the kids in my room and in my classes But something like this traveling exhibit does is it, you know, people who aren't in my classes, just the everyday average public to use like a traveling exhibit like we're doing and then educating and engaging the public. Recently, we had it up at a food truck park and I was so touched. I saw one lady carrying her baby and reading the panels like every panel to her. And then I saw parents dragging their kids over. Come learn your history. I'm I'm so proud of, you know, these young ladies and I can see the fruition of my labor in them, but it's even a greater impact to do this exhibit with them. And they're now a part of sharing stories like I was sharing with them. Juan Carmona is a historian, educator and co-founder of Nosotrex por el Valle, a group of scholars and activists from the Rio Grande Valley. We're also talking to other members of the group, Taylor Siever, Nicole Moreno and Larisa Gonzalez, all former students of Juan Carmona. When we come back, museums are great spaces to learn history, but often incomplete information can result in inaccurate portrayals of the past. 
but a lot of people in the valley don't go to our museums, and when they do, they don't see their stories. Our conversation continues next on Fronteras. Welcome back to Fronteras. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. The group Nosotrex por el Valle, which uses gender-neutral terminology to refer to itself, is dedicated to sharing the history of the Texas Rio Grande Valley with its residents. A lot of that history isn't taught in schools. Historian Juan Carmona is a co-founder of the group, and he's joined in the effort by three of his former students, Taylor Seaver, Nicole Moreno, and Larisa Gonzalez. Gonzalez, a graduate student in communication at the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley, says Nosotrex por el Valle takes history to public spaces, including a food truck park in the city of Alamo and a recent Dia de los Muertos event in Donna. Yeah, we saw a lot of people that I guess you wouldn't normally see in a historical exhibit. Like, yes, people go to museums. Like, I know for me, whenever I go to a new city, I go to see their museum because I'm like, oh, what's going on here? Right. But a lot of people in the valley don't go to our museums. And when they do, they don't see their stories. So seeing teenagers go up to the panels and be like, oh, this is really cool. I never knew about this. We had a conversation, or Juan had a conversation with, I guess, a teenager. And she was like, I had no idea this happened here. Like, you don't learn about this stuff. And it's really cool that you guys are doing this. And we had a lot of people throughout our days there come up to us and be like, what you guys are doing is really important. You know, I'm a history teacher, or my parents lived through this, or, you know, I feel like my children need to learn this. It was very kind of eye-opening to see everything like come to life but also it felt really rewarding like okay what we're doing is getting through to people and like we're doing what we want to do we want to share these things with people and yeah it was really nice to see so nicole you're from the valley correct yeah can you talk a little bit about how maybe that distance with you now at ut austin being away from the valley how that's affected your perspective of the valley Yes, um, working on these panels has given me like a sense of pride for like my community. It allowed me to be able to see like there's rich history where I come from. When we talk to people here and they're like, where are you from? And I'm like, oh, the valley. They're like, where's that? Yeah. <laughs> like, wait, Mexico? And I'm like, wait, no, <laughs> like, no. But so people don't really have like a sense of what the valley really is, but it's a whole other world down there. I don't think people actually like grasp that concept of it, but I do think that the distance has brought me a lot closer to the valley and like that, like I belong to that history as well. You know, like I, I, I'm part of it, so I should try to preserve it, try to share it. And that's why I think I want to go back and help continuing like on these projects and stuff like that, because this, this history needs to be, needs to be told. So, Taylor, you were talking earlier about you're feeling a lot more connected to your history. And here you are, you know, UTRGV, and you're really getting into that type of history. Um, how is this particular traveling exhibit sort of embellishing your studies there? Juan and I always have this conversation of how everything in Mexican-American studies or Chicanx studies is very connected. And all the classes I'm taking, all these professors are also so connected to our work. So it's like, you can't really escape it. Like everywhere you look, our work is going to be there and the conversation is going to be there. 
right now, my research that I want to base my master's thesis on is Chicana and Latina aesthetics of like fashion, which in a way connects back to our research because Juan and I, as I'm conducting these oral uh, history interviews and everything, I come back to Juan and I'm like, oh my God, like we never realized how connected everything is. Like we'll, we'll look at something through a historical lens, but then we talk to someone else and we see it through a cultural lens. And then it just like the way we view history changes because of how connected everything is. But yeah, Juan and I were having that conversation the other night. We're like, wow, everything is so connected. Like, you can't escape this. So Juan, do you still have sort of those eye-opening moments like we're hearing Larissa and Taylor and Nicole talk about? You've studied all this, you're teaching it, but are there still moments where you kind of have that same reaction that Taylor was just talking about that, oh, wow, this is connected or, or oh, wow, I, I never imagined this could ever be. Or maybe perhaps your students have given you a different perspective on your teaching or your knowledge. Can you talk a little bit about that? Taylor doesn't do a good job talking about herself, but this past year, she delved like deep into the archives and found all kinds of documents about student activism in the 60s and 70s here in the Valley, stuff that I had never heard of and some of her professors haven't heard of. And, you know, she did a whole presentation on it, a conference last year where I went with her. And that actually became one, two of the panels that you see on our on our exhibit. I, I tell all my students, I'm a constant learner. I learn from them as much as they learn from me. You can ask them, like, I'm always asking questions about just their world, like what they like or what they're into, like, help me understand the younger generation. I'm like, I'm pushing 50 and they're, you know, 18, 19, 20. Um, so in order to be a better educator, I have to make those connections. So I have to know their world. I tell them a lot, you know, anyone who's interested in getting into like Chicano studies or Mesoamerican studies, that it is actually like in history or cultural studies, it's a newer field. There is so much a wealth of stuff you could find, research, write about. And I'm, yes, I'm constantly surprised about different historical stories that I come across. Like, I had no idea about this. Like, I recently read a book about an African-American former slave who made up an identity as a Mexican. So he, he could pass a little more as a businessman and no one knew he was actually ever. And it was this whole story and he becomes this big millionaire living in Central Park. And Ellis, right? William Henry Ellis. Yes, Ellis. And I had no idea. It's such a great book because it gives you a history of people who've done that and, and the mixing of the borderlands and how fluid people that live in the borderlands are. I'm rereading it to find certain chapters to use in my class. But just like the perspective of the author and how they were examining the borderlands was really eye opening was things I hadn't thought to look at it in that way. So yeah, I'm constantly being surprised and still learning. So tell us, what does the traveling exhibit consist of? We know it consists of panels, but I know that you're you're going to be continuing to add to it. So talk mm -hmm. to us about how you plan for it to expand. And if listeners are in the Valley right now listening to this program, where they might expect to see it in the future. Well, the panels right now, like chronologically, I guess we start with indigenous history and we cover like the Cortina Wars, the Matanza. Uh, we look at the Stark County Millen Strike, the Far Riots. Women of the RGB like Gloriana Zalua, Juanita Valdez Cox, and Adela Los Vento. And we have two panels coming up that we're, we're just about done with. And that is, um, one on Colegio Jacinto Trevino, which was a Chicano college in Mercedes and queer history of the valley. So we're trying to like 
grow, you know, reflect the history of the peoples of the valley. But also, we're, you know, we take suggestions. We, you know, we get together brainstorming meetings. What else can we add to this? Is we want to grow it with the community. And part of the exhibit is it has a digital archive. You scan a little QR code, and we're constantly adding to the archive. And one of the things that we want to do is if someone, let's say, comes to the exhibit and they were at the Stark County Melon Strike, pull them aside, do a quick oral history interview, and then add it to our archive. So in a sense, the panels and the archive grow with the community. Historian Juan Carmona is co-founder of Nosotrex por el Valle. He's a social studies teacher at Donna High School in the Rio Grande Valley, is a part-time lecturer in history at the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley, and is the author of The Alton Bus Crash, a book that recounts a recent devastating chapter in the history of the valley. Our other guests were Taylor Seaver, a graduate student in Mexican-American Studies at UTRGV, Nicole Moreno, an undergraduate history major at the University of Texas at Austin, and Larisa Gonzalez, a graduate student in communication at UTRGV. They are all former students of Juan Carmona. Find out where Nosotrex por el Valle will be next by following them on Facebook. We'll have a link on tpr.org. Thanks for joining us for Fronteras. Fronteras is produced by Norma Martinez and Marianne Navarro. Our executive producer is Dan Katz. Our editor is Fernando Ortiz Jr. Charanga Cakewalk composed our theme music. Hear past episodes at tpr.org and on the Fronteras podcast. I'm Norma Martinez with Texas Public Radio in San Antonio. <laughs>